0: Right, it's great to uh, see you all. I'm just going to turn my volume up. There we go. So great to see you all. Uh, Welcome to the next part in our Nehemiah series. Um, Danny, in previous weeks, has been looking at rebuilding the man, uh, rebuilding prayer. And today we're going to be looking at rebuilding purpose. Nehemiah is a book rich in this idea that, that we can rebuild and that we can rediscover. It's a story about rebuilding a wall, um, but it's a story about rebuilding so much else. So we are looking today at what it means to rebuild purpose in our lives. Now, before we launch uh, into this passage, I I want to actually talk a little bit about, right at the beginning here, about how we read and apply and actually understand scripture. Because we're not just reading these books, we're not just looking at these stories uh, out of just a historical interest. They are historical books, but it's far more important than that, because what we read maps directly onto our lives. And the stories that we read in Nehemiah, the events that go on there, these are stories of captivity and exile, of lost futures, of lost plans, of... uh, things put on hold and actually we're living in such times as that in these days where we're captive in our homes, we're exiled from a normal uh, sort of social life that we would have done. Our world has been turned upside down uh, very much where people in a, in a time of captivity and it's only right to ask in the midst of that where is God in this, where are his unchanging plans and purposes in this time of disruption and captivity and exile for us. So we actually look at these books, as I've said, not just to, to read a, a good story, which they are, but to actually take some timeless truths out of them that we can apply to directly to our lives. I mean, you, most of you know me. I, I've been a Christian for, for, for many, many years. I, I've been reading God's Word for many, many years, and I don't actually think I've experienced a time such as this, where God's word is so relevant and so pertinent to what we're going through today. So please, can I ask you just to, to, to be with me over the next kind of 15 minutes as we, as we open up this passage in Nehemiah and look at uh, part three, uh, Rebuilding Purpose. Turn with me, please, to uh, uh, the second chapter of Nehemiah. Uh, we're picking up the story um, at the beginning there, just a couple of verses from Nehemiah 2 starting at verse one. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence. And the king said to me, why is your face sad, seeing you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. Then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, let the king live forever. Let's just pray. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, Thank you for this timeless story uh, that's just so going to help us understand how you are working and how we can just join with you in your plans and purposes. Amen. Amen. Let me start this morning by asking you a question. Whose plan was it to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem? Whose plan was it to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Now, you're going to have to forgive me because that's a little bit of a trick question, because there's actually two answers there. Your first answer might obviously be, well, it was Nehemiah's plan. The the book's called Nehemiah. It's about rebuilding a wall. We've just read verse uh, five where Nehemiah says, if it pleases the king, uh, send me to Judah. It can't be plainer than that. It was Nehemiah's plan. But I wanna actually just pop Nehemiah in our back pocket for a moment. We're gonna come back to Nehemiah. If you'd said Nehemiah, that's absolutely a right answer. But we're just gonna pop him a, pop him aside for a moment because I wanna suggest as much as it was Nehemiah's plan to rebuild the wall, it was also God's plan. It's always been God's plan to have a chosen people and for them to live in his chosen city, to worship him at the temple, Uh, And and that hasn't changed really in the New Testament. Uh, We're still God's chosen people. It's wider now than just this nation uh, of Israel, but God still has a chosen people. Uh, And we worship him, not in in a physical building, but we worship him in our hearts. In many ways, that was part of the prophecy that Jeremiah bought. Don't forget Jeremiah. We've looked at him a few weeks ago, and Jeremiah is really important to what's going on here as well. Jeremiah said, hey, God's going God's to gonna have a new covenant, but he's still going to have a chosen people. He's still going to want them to worship him. God wants to dwell in your heart. God's plans and purposes have not been disrupted uh, by this period of captivity. We need to hear that today. In, in a time of captivity and exile and COVID-19 and lockdown, God's plans and purposes have not changed. Danny said something very important last week that I just want to pick up on when he was talking about reading prayer, uh, rebuilding prayer. Uh, He said last week, he said, before we find our purpose, God has to do something in our hearts. Before we find our purpose, God has to do something in our hearts. And I want to actually explore that idea a little bit more. Before we find our purpose, God has to speak into our hearts. Now, Uh, I want to explore this idea. Uh, You're going to have to indulge me just a little bit because not everybody is a dates and and history kind of person. But I do want to explain a little bit about what's going on here in this story of Nehemiah. And hopefully we will have a diagram that's going to help me do that. That's got a few dates on here. So go with me on this because the story here, and it's important to to map out this story, the story breaks it down into two parts. We're talking of conquest. The people of God were conquered by the Babylonians and they were taken into exile. It was, a, it was something that happened over a period of about 20 years. Uh, there were kind of three phases that the royal court were taken first of all around about 600 BC and if you read the book of Daniel that's the kind of uh, backdrop where that came from. Daniel was part of the royal uh, court and then a few years later uh, a lot of the merchants and craftsmen were taken to Babylon and then the remaining people were taken uh, some twenty odd years later. But you ended up with the, with the nation of Judah taken into uh, conquered by Babylon and taken into exile. Um, and it's, it's important in our story because Jeremiah. Don't forget Jeremiah. He was the one that said this is going to happen. Uh, interestingly enough, Jeremiah comes before Nehemiah. But if you look in your in your Bible. Um, Nehemiah the book comes first and Jeremiah comes uh, later chronologically the Bible doesn't always run in the same order but you had Jeremiah whose backdrop was this period of conquest and he said hey this is going to happen and the false prophets of the time they first of all they said no 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 we're not going to get conquered we're not going to be taken to Babylon and then when it happened they said yeah but it'll only be for a short while and then we'll be back in the land and remember Jeremiah who brought this really important word that said no you're going to be here for a period of time. Uh, he said, settle down in the land, marry, have children, build houses, plant crops. You're not coming back quickly. And again, that's a word that we we kind of need to hear. You know, I, I don't expect for one moment that we're going to be in our exile and conquest and captivity for uh, 70 years. But But let's be honest, this pandemic has kind of taken us all a little bit uh uh or it's lasted a little bit longer than we would expect you know i think back to march and april where um uh it was a novelty the fun of um not having to commute to work the uh the, the better working environment of being able to work from home to, to spend some more time with valentina that was great that was really enjoyable and and that hasn't changed that's the same now i enjoy not having to commute i enjoy from working Uh, from home but something of that initial novelty that that initial fun if i could use that word has kind of drained a bit and i think we all find as the days are getting shorter as the, the weather's getting colder as we're facing maybe more restrictions uh the idea that this will be over quickly is kind of or not going to be over quickly is kind of settling a little bit on us you know, we need a Jeremiah word that says, no, hang on, this, this new social order, this will be around for just a little bit longer than you might have or first expected. But Jeremiah said, hey, but you are going to come back after 70 years. And after 70 years, yeah, they did come back. The prophecy came true. And in around about 530, 537 BC, a whole lot of 50,000 odd people came back under the leadership of Zerubbabel. Now, the thing was, they didn't settle in Jerusalem. They just settled in the surrounding towns and villages, and Jerusalem as a city still lay in ruins. Its walls still remained broken. And another 90 years had to pass before Ezra took some more people back with the plan of rebuilding the walls. That didn't happen. And so we have another 15 or so years when we get to Nehemiah. That's the kind of history of this story, Uh, And he hears, and that's why he was so upset. He hears that, hey, the walls are still not built. The gates have still been destroyed by fire. Now, why this diagram? Why am I going on and on about this? Well, here's the point. Here's the point of this. My grandmother was born in Denmark. She emigrated to this country when she was a little girl, round about the, the sort of late 1890s, round about the turn of the last century. That actually makes me one quarter Danish, me, born and bred in South London, never been north of the Watford Gap, Uh, Londoner, Britain through and through. I'm one quarter Danish. Now, I don't know if Copenhagen, the, the city of Denmark, has got city walls. I really don't care if they're intact or broken down. I am not, the, to be perfectly honest you, not the least bit interested in what goes on in Denmark. It's not my land. It's not the land of my father's graves. But in one sense it is because my grandmother was Danish. It's only taken two, three generations for me to be totally separated from that country. No more than 70 years. Nehemiah is separated from the land of the graves of his fathers by 175 years. He's Babylonian. His parents were born in Babylon. His grandparents were born in Babylon. His great-grandparents were born in Babylon. His great-great-grandparents were born in Babylon. He serves the king of Babylon. He lives in Susa, the city of Babylon. Nehemiah is a Babylonian. Yet the word of God comes to him and God's purpose breaks in and God gives him a heart to restore the walls of Jerusalem. Across 175 years, across six or seven generations, God speaks into this Babylonian and says, go and rebuild Jerusalem. I think that's so important. I think that's so important. Thanks for kind of bearing with me on that diagram. But do you see how how God's purpose comes across the, the time and he fills Nehemiah with this great desire that's over and above what we would naturally expect Nehemiah to have as a vision and a plan and a purpose. And God's doing that in these days. That's why this is such an exciting and such a relevant uh, word. Uh, we're still fresh from sending uh, Richard and Rachel to Bambury. Uh, God calling them to different areas, to cities that they had not thought of before. God's doing that with other folks, even now, as as we watch this on Zoom, planting places and locations in people's hearts. It's not just uh, geographical moves. God will plant plans and visions and dreams in your hearts in these days, in these days of lockdown and restrictions God's plans have not changed. God's desire to give you a purpose. God's plan for you to rediscover your purpose have not changed. God has got great plans and purposes for you. But here's the really exciting thing, because let's now grab Nehemiah out of our back pocket. Whose plan was it to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem? Well, yes, it was Nehemiah's plan as well. That's the really exciting thing. You know, I've explored this a little bit. I've explored verse five with a little bit of a history lesson. Again, forgive me for that. But the whole story actually really hinges not on verse five, but on verse four. Verse four is actually more important because the king says to Nehemiah, What do you want me to do? Now, I haven't met many kings and queens in my time. I actually haven't met any kings and queens in my time but but i kind of get i think i know how this works normally what happens the servant says to the master what do you want me to do that's what a servant does you're my master what do you want me to do here's this extraordinary role reversal where the master says to the servant what do you want me to do And Nehemiah could have answered in so many ways. The first way he could have answered is actually right there in verse one for us. He says, do you know what? He says, uh, I hadn't been sad in the king's presence. Um, Coming into a king with a gloomy and a glum expression on your face could well be a little bit of a career limiting move. You know, Nehemiah says, maybe Nehemiah's first response would be, I just better buck my ideas up. Yeah, well, I'm sad when I've heard this news, but hey, I'm going in to serve the king. i better kind of put a bit of a cheery face on. i better just brush this under the carpet for a moment. But he doesn't do that. He could have kind of done something sort of halfway and said, well, well, your majesty, I'd really like you to kind of help out my ancestors. They're trying to be real, rebuild some walls. Could you send them some wood? Could you send them some resources? They're facing some opposition. Could you send some troops to... Protect them, provide some help. What does he say? He says, send me. He says, send me to Judah. Send me to the land of my fathers that I can rebuild the walls. You see, he had this great opportunity to be involved in the plans and the purposes that God had already put in his heart. You see, this amazing, there's this just this mystery in scripture in, in, in the truth that we read of, how God works in sovereign ways. God is not phased or fussed or thrown off course by, by events that happen. You know, God is not sitting up there in heaven thinking, gee, I wasn't expecting this was going to happen. I really wasn't expecting this pandemic was going to last this long. I, well, guys, what are we going to do? You know, God's plans have not been thrown into disarray by this. God is sovereign, God is in control. But at the same time, he gives us, you and I, the free will to be involved in that or not. Say, hey, do do you want to be on on this journey with me? The choice is yours. Nehemiah, you could have answered this in so many ways. I love the story in in Mark uh, chapter 10, uh, where Jesus uh, comes across this this blind uh, blind man called Bartimaeus. Let let me just uh, read you that story. Bartimaeus has kind of heard that Jesus is coming. He's cried out. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. I I can well imagine in that story when when Jesus says to blind Bartimaeus, uh, what do you want me to do? I just get this picture of the disciples kind of exchanging some kind of puzzled looks between them. And uh, maybe Peter just kind of sidles. This is my imagination, by the way. But maybe Peter just sidles up to Jesus and says, um, can I just have a word, Master? Uh, when you say what do you want me to do just let me drop this into the conversation the guy's blind I think it's reasonably obvious what he needs I I know you're the 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 the, the son of God I I know you know all everything and everything's in your hand but let me just point out he's blind it's not it's not a question we need to ask but you see Jesus asks the question anyway because he wants Bartimaeus to be involved. He wants to hear what Bartimaeus wants, as obviously as it might be. He wants Bartimaeus to say, I want to see, so that he can fulfill his plans and his desires. Um, God so gracious, you know, I, uh, even when we fluff our lines, uh, when Peter and John came across a, a lame beggar uh, and he just wanted uh, money. You know, they said silver and gold we don't have, but in the name of Jesus, walk. So, again, God has this amazing way of of even when we don't quite see where he's going, where he's leading us, he kind of grabs us by the hand and says, no, 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 come with me. Let me show you again the plans and purposes I have for you. It's amazing, you know, across 175 years, God fills Nehemiah with this plan and yet at the same time he kind of whispers in his ear what do you want me to do See, God is working in that way in these days he's giving us plans and purposes but the creator of the universe the one that holds the the stars in his hands leans down to you and I just puts his lips close to our ears and says what do you want me to do for you We need to hear that in these days. If we're gonna rediscover or just hold on to our plans and purposes, we need to hear that. We need to hear the King of Kings again, asking us every day and every day he asks this question. We need to hear that day after day. What do you want me to do? So as we move on into what may well be uh, a difficult few weeks or months, as we face maybe even more, restrictions, uh, maybe even more captivity and exile and conquest by something that that we would rather not had conquered us, if, if I could use that phraseology. Let us remember two things. God's plans and purposes have not changed. Come to him in prayer. Ask him to help you. Help you just to rediscover what he has planned for you. You know, we have a God who says, I, I have wonderful plans for you. We read of that in, in Ephesians, good works for you to fulfill. Ask God what his plans and purposes are for you. And then, secondly, remember, God involves us every single day. Every day he leans close and says, What do you want me to do? Take time this week, as again, as we come together in prayer, take time to, to really think about that. And tell him, tell him what you're what you're wanting, what you're seeking, what what you're looking for in these days. If you put those two things into practice over the next coming weeks or month, then you will uh, rebuild, rediscover, find again uh, your purposes for these days. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you are a God who has great plans and purposes for us. Thank you that you choose to involve us in your kingdom plans. Lord, how amazing is that? That every one of us with our failures and limitations and weaknesses, you choose to involve us. Lord, help us to rise up to to, to these occasions, to, 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 to grasp the opportunities and say, Lord, send me. Lord, send me. God bless you all as we uh, as we move on amen